Rebecca. What a beautiful blessing for, for Mother's Day for Melissa this morning to hear them sing and share with us as well. It was another mother's story that was recorded in Matthew, the 20th chapter. And it's there that we read that the mother of the Zeb sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor from him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm about to drink? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you once more just grateful for the boldness of not only the, the mother of these sons of Zebedee, but grateful for the boldness of our earthly moms. Father, they have sought the best for us. They have instilled within us uh, properly a love for you. And uh, Father, for whatever reason we are who and where we are today, they have they played a major, major role in that. And so, Father, I thank you that you have not only worked through them, but you continue to work through them to this day. Father, I thank you for the foundations we have in you. And I just pray that you build upon that today as we give them honor. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was a junior high science teacher that was lecturing on the properties of magnets for an entire class. The next day, he gave the entire class a quiz, and the first question was this. My name begins with the letter M, has six letters, and I pick things up. What am I? Over half the class wrote, Mother. On this day, we honor moms as a church, as, as children, and as men within this congregation, it's good for us to reflect on how much you truly do. It's good for us to see even that God put it in his top ten list. In Exodus 20, verse 12, we're told, honor your father and your mother. Then you'll live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And dads, I'm going to ask you this morning to, to be patient. Uh, we're going to honor you in about another month, but today... It's all about God's work in our moms. And being a mother, ladies, you know it's not a walk in the park. In fact, I saw a statistic this past week that by the time a child reaches 18, a mother has had to handle some extra 18,000 hours of child-generated work. Women who never have children are said to enjoy the equivalent of an extra three months a year in leisure time. The role of a mom is tough. And often it bears out a lot of misunderstanding in our world. Uh, I heard the story of a father that was trying to explain the concept of marriage to his little four-year-old daughter. And he thought, well, you know what would really help is if we had an object lesson. And so he went and he pulled out his wedding album. And he showed the entire wedding service there to her. And when he was finished, he asked, now, sweetie, do you have any questions? And she pointed to the picture of the wedding party and said, Daddy, is that when Mommy came to work for us? <laughs> I'm going to pay for that one. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, Men are what their mothers make of them. 
I'm a reflection of that today, as many in this room are. The old Spanish proverb said, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy, and that is true. The role of moms is completely misunderstood and misrepresented in our media and in our culture today. Somebody once wrote Mother's Day, it's traditionally a day when children give something back to their mothers, who for all the spit they produce to wash dirty faces, all the old gum that they held in their hand, all the noses that they wiped, all the bloody knees that they made well with just a kiss. It's a day that mothers are rewarded for washing sheets in the middle of a night of sickness. It's a day to honor moms who drove their kids to school after they'd missed the bus one more time and endured all of those soccer and football games in the rain. It's a day of appreciation for making your children finish something that they knew they just couldn't do, and for not believing them, the times that they were angry and maybe even said the words, I hate you. You shared the good and you shared the bad times for them. And because of that, ladies, moms, you have been teachers, you have been disciplinarians, cleaning ladies, gardeners, mowers of lawns, nurses, doctors, psychiatrists and psychologists, counselors, chauffeurs and coaches. You are developers of personalities, molders of vocabularies, shapers of attitudes. When we say, I love you to God or to one another, so much of what has fed our understanding of love came from you. And a mom is a child's first link, first impression to understanding the love of God. Ladies, you are all those things and much, much more. But let me just say right here at the outset today, I am aware that Mother's Day is a difficult day for some of you. Maybe you want to be a mother, but for some reason, you've been unable to. Maybe you've had a mom that wasn't the best model of, of motherhood in the world. Some of you have a mother that's now celebrating with the Lord in heaven. Some of you are moms that have lost a child. Some of you are mothers that feel the pain of a wayward child this morning and, and you just pray day after day for them to either come home or come back to the faith that you instilled within them. You know it's hard. Some of you mothers feel the pain of not being able to nurture your child's direction anymore because they just won't listen. And, and, and I don't want to cause you any more pain this morning. But please understand, if this message highlights the brokenness in your heart today, then please know the promise of Scripture. When we're told in Psalm 34, 18, that the Lord is close to your broken heart. He's close to the broken heart, and He saves those that are crushed in spirit. The resurrected King can resurrect and restore your heart this day. He has done it time and again in scriptures. And because of that, we have some fantastic portraits of moms within the Bible, not just the mother of the sons of Zebedee that I shared with you to start with. I love the picture of the mother of Moses who cared so much for her son that she broke the royal law and ended up being able to teach him the faith of his people. We see the sacrificial love of a mother who appeared before King Solomon and told him she would rather have her child being cared for by another, a stranger, rather than being harmed at all. We see the mother of King Lemuel who gave some advice to her son, not only about godly living, but, but about what to look for 
in a godly wife in Proverbs 31 that David shared. Then we come to some women that I'd really like to introduce some of you to, maybe for the first time this morning. Their names are Lois and Eunice, and you'll find it in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Timothy 1, 3 says, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God that I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember Timothy, your tears as we parted, and I'll be filled with joy when we're together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I know the same faith continues strong in you. How beautiful that passage is to me to see the generations of faith Eunice was raised in a religious and a faithful home, greatly impacted by her, her mother, Lois. I imagine she loved hearing the stories from the Old Testament, from scriptures. She grew up knowing what it meant to gather with the assembly of other believers when she was young. As she approached her teenage years, she continued to focus on spiritual matters. But I imagine that young lady, she became attracted to a young man that didn't hold their same family values. While she would believe in, in the one true living God, perhaps this young man believed in, in many gods. And against the best wishes of a godly mother, against the best teachings of her faith, and maybe the tug of her own conscience, she married him. Acts 16.1 at least tells us that for Timothy, his mother was a Jewish, a Jewish and a believer, but his father was a Greek. A couple years after their marriage, Eunice and her husband had this baby boy named Timothy, and he was greatly impacted by the home in which he was raised. Timothy grew up in a home where once Eunice's dad had died, they asked their mother, Lois, to come and live with them. And little Timothy was a delight to everyone. Both his mom and his grandmother spent hours with him teaching him the reality of God and the truth of the, the Bible, praying with him and for him, training him the things of God. And that was in a day that they didn't have veggie tales. <laughs> they didn't have Christian daycares to, to take him to, but they created this environment where young Timothy could flourish. Paul would reflect and say in 2 Timothy 3.15, Timothy, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from your childhood. Then there was the day that this young preacher himself, Timothy, or, or Paul, came to the town of Lystra and spoke about Jesus. And Lois and Eunice listened intently, and they saw in Jesus the fulfillment of all the prophecies in the Old Testament. And they would place their hope and their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, as the fulfillment of it all. And then Timothy would be introduced to Jesus. We know from reading the book of Acts that Paul took a, a great interest in this young man, a personal interest and partnered with his mother and grandmother to see him not only led to faith in Jesus Christ, but established in ministry. Later, Paul and Timothy would partner together in the ministry to spread the gospel throughout the area. And many years later, while Paul was in prison waiting his execution, he would write two of his last letters to Timothy. 
He would not only make uh, an impression and an impact on Paul, he would do it on the church in Ephesus and on believers all throughout Asia Minor. But it all began with a mother and a grandmother. You see, today on Mother's Day 2019, I, I want you just to see how a mom can make a significant impact on her world. It's very simple this morning. The first thing I want you to see is why moms should be honored, and that's precisely because they are so breakable. Now bear with me on this. Our moms should be honored because they are so breakable. Ladies, unbreakable is just a movie by M. Night Shyamalan, or whatever you pronounce his name to be. To be a mother is to be breakable or to be worn out. I read this past week a, a woman by the name of Meredith Ethington who shared her experience, and she said, I had to fight back the tears and say to my husband, I'm sorry, I'm broken. You see, they'd been arguing, and she felt like a shattered human being, and she felt the need to apologize for being broken. She gave words to the feelings that, that many women I have spoken with have experienced and wished they could share. And she said, I felt unlovable, and I felt unable to have normal relationships with the people that I love most because of my inability to have my life together the way I feel I should have it together as a wife and as a mother. And she said, how am I supposed to be a mother when I feel so lost myself sometimes? You see, that woman was experiencing the burden that we all feel at times because as human beings, we all come with baggage. Some of us hide it better than others. Some of us put it out there and we live it out loud. But most of us, we're at least somewhere in the middle, but it's there for all of us. And we keep preaching that bumper sticker theology that says Christians are not perfect, they're just forgiven. And I believe that. But friends, if that's true, that means that we were raised by broken and imperfect people. And the result is generation upon generation feel broken inside because of their past, or because of their experience, and now they feel inadequate in raising their own kids or even their grandchildren. See, we begin by acknowledging that to be a mother is to be breakable. Now, if that makes you bristle to hear that label attached, please understand, it, it's not to say anything about how strong you are as women, because moms are incredibly strong incredibly willful and tough. But when I'm speaking with a young couple before their family and as they're engaged to be married, we will read from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, these words. Husbands, in the same way be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And just like the word breakable, most young women will bristle at that and say, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Weaker partner? I, I don't think so. <laughs> but what that verse is saying, friends, it has nothing again to do with the strength or resolve or your ability to achieve. It has everything to do with the responsibility of men in honoring their wives. 
The term actually relates to what you do in comparison with what you have in your cabinets at home. Most all of you in your cabinets at home, you have paper plates that you will use for everyday quick meals or picnics, quick get-togethers. You'll use them and you'll dispose of them. You have everyday plates. You know, some of you have cabinets full of Corel ware or, or Tupperware, and you toss them around. You really don't pay much attention to them. But then most of you, or some of you at least, you've got that set of fine china. Some of you put them in those special cabinets and you bring them out for special occasions only. Maybe they were a wedding gift. Maybe they were china that you inherited from someone in your family. But each one of those represents the way that a lot of women are treated. A lot of women are treated as nothing better than paper plates and people use you. They abuse you and they dispose of you when they're done. Some men treat women like they're that everyday wear and they take advantage of them and they don't express appreciation because you're always there and you always do what you do and no special attention is thought to be needed. But what this scripture is saying, men, as we treat women as the weaker vessel, it's saying you treat them the way you would treat fine china. God is saying, men, treat your wives with compassion. Put them on a pedestal. Protect them, preserve them, care for them because they are precious. And moms and ladies, you need to be cherished. And when I explain it that way to most young men, they seem, they seem to get it. But when I sit in my office and I'll ask wives or moms, do you feel cherished? Do you feel honored? The responses I get can break your heart. Mother's Day is a day to express the design of God for women within our lives as, as precious and it reminds us of something we should be doing 365 days a year for our moms, not just on one Sunday in May. It is a reminder, too, that as the finest of China, mothers are breakable. And we shouldn't be surprised at the cracks or the breaks, simply because God gave the command to honor your mother, it highlights how easy it would be to forget to do that, to sin against that great command. And sin always leads to brokenness. Sometimes it doesn't have to be an outright sin. Sometimes it just happens as part of life. You know where the first time brokenness was applied to motherhood in the Bible? It came before the curse of pain in childbirth. It came before the first child was ever born into this world. It came as God anticipated the crack. He anticipated the break in Genesis 2:24. When it says a father leaves his father or excuse me a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and the two become one flesh. He's saying there's going to be a cleaving and a weaving, but there's got to be that break. Mothers should be honored precisely because they're breakable. One of the ways I see that brokenness come out these days is sometimes through your children. You've got children that fit together sometimes like oil and water. They don't get along. They, they bicker with each other anytime they're together, and you listen as one child calls you, or even in the presence of the other kids, says something about the other child that you love so dearly. 
And for some of you moms, you're experiencing what God condemned in Israel when he said in Psalm 50, verse 20, you sit and you testify against your brother or you slander your mother's son. And if you're a mom, squabbling children, you know it can break your heart. And friends, if you're one of the children in a family like that, stop. I can tell you how many Christian testimonies are drained of their effectiveness because siblings just can't get along with each other. You want to give your mom an incredibly thoughtful gift for Mother's Day? Then surrender your offended ego and do what it says in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another and forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Then I know some moms that have been hurt so badly that they just shut the door on their children. And maybe for some of you, that was the home that you grew up in. It happens. And the psalmist said in Psalm 27, verse 10, even though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And friends, if you felt nothing but rejection as a child, if you were abandoned in this world by your birth mom, then please know you have a nesting place with God. And, and God can model for you how to be the best mother, how to be the best grandmother you can be, even when you're broken. Now here's the second thing. Mothers should be honored, not only because they're breakable, but they should be honored with joy because they are living examples of restoration. When I think of brokenness, I think of what Jesus' mother must have felt. How quickly her story moves from angels announcing this unexpected pregnancy and then suddenly she's giving birth in a dirty animal stall. Brokenness. Within two verses in Matthew, her experience moves from one of wonder and excitement as magi come to offer gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, and suddenly the angel saying, get up, pack what you have, you're going to the land of Egypt, and you'll stay there until I tell you because Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. Brokenness. It means putting your heart on your sleeve and coming to see your son, coming to share your concern and your love, only to hear the words in Matthew 12, 47, when someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And he replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, Jesus said, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. As she processed those words, there must have been a moment of confusion and brokenness. I'm your mother. But a time of maturing and understanding. It means glowing with pride and wonder as she watched Jesus heal the sick and teach with heaven's authority. But then trailing Jesus as he painfully carried his cross and to watch him be crucified to watch her son suspended between heaven and earth. And then in John 19, 25, we're told near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. His mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple that he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, 
here's your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. One of Jesus' last acts before he died and was buried was to care for his mother. And by the grace and the power of God, Jesus rose from the dead once again to stand before his adoring mother. But God creates this relationship of mother-child as a living example of what a restored relationship is meant to be. How many of you have heard of this age-old, centuries-old Japanese art of kintsugi? Anybody ever seen pictures or heard of this? It's literally translated as golden joinery. It's the art of fixing broken pottery with a special lacquer that's been powdered with gold or silver or platinum. And and beautiful seams of gold will glint in the cracks of the ceramic ware, and it gives it a unique appearance. And the reason I love this art is because it's a great representation of what motherhood is like. You see, instead of hiding, instead of disguising the breaks or the cracks, it celebrates how unique each piece's history is. And as you remember the fractures and breaks, you see how it's been healed. And Kitsugi often takes that, that broken piece of pottery and it makes it even more beautiful and more valuable than it was originally. See, the whole reason I looked at this theme of, of moms being broken but restored is this. We have this theme verse for this entire series from Joel 2.25 where God said, I'll restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. The reason is, I think if there's anybody in our congregation, anybody in our sphere of influence that needs restoration, it's our moms. Before this week's message, I asked several moms what they really wanted for Mother's Day. And some of their answers revealed to me just just how needful they are of that gold filigree to be placed in, in in the breaks. But most of them, you're probably, you could probably guess, Mother's Day wish number one, what do you think it was? Anybody? Okay, number one, a clean house. One mom said, Bill, even if it only lasts for five minutes before it gets trashed, I want a clean house. Number two, I want a nap. (laughs) Um, Being a mom is, is mentally, emotionally, physically draining. Maybe that's one of the reasons somebody came up with the idea of taking mom breakfast in bed for Mother's Day. How many of you did that this morning? Just curious. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing to give to your mom. It's also the acknowledgement, mom, you need the extra rest because in about an hour you're going to have to get up and fix the mess we just made in the kitchen making you breakfast in bed. Uh, Mother's Day wish number three, I need a break from the routine. Just a break from being a mom. Whatever that means to you, dishes, laundry, chauffeur duty, dressing, little ones. You know, sometimes it's a vacation to California. Sometimes I need a break from the routine, a spa day. Sometimes can we just take a walk together outside? James Dobson tells the story of one time he came home when his son Ryan was still just a small baby, and it had been one of those days, moms, uh, for for his, his wife and son. Ryan had been sick. 
He had cried all day. One time she was changing his diaper. The phone rang. She reached to pick up the phone before she had attached the diaper properly. And, and little Ryan had a, another bout of diarrhea. And not only did she have to give little Ryan another bath, she had to clean everything up, redress him. But she cleaned up that mess and she put him into some clean, sweet-smelling clothes. And she took him into the living room and she sat down on the couch and she began to, to feed him. And he got sick again. He spit up everything all over her, all over the couch. She had to clean him again. And James Dobson said, I walked in the door and when I came home, I could smell the aroma of motherhood everywhere. And his wife cried out, was all this in my contract? Don't you think that sometimes, ladies? Did I sign up for all of this? Mother's Day wish number four was a man who turns a honeydew list into a honey-done list. And all the women said, amen. <laughs> Every time mom walks past that broken blank or that unfinished blank, it drives her crazy. And if you complete the honeydew list of those lingering projects, you're saying, I may not have noticed this, but I'm noticing you. And it's important to you, so I'm going to get this done. And, and I will tell you, uh, guys, one of the greatest things you can do for your spouses is you love your wife with passion, and your children will see that. Mother's Day wish number five, and Aretha Franklin got this one right. All I need is a little R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Don't miss the importance of showing appreciation today of all days. And it doesn't have to really cost a thing. That's why we keep all those things that our kids make. Sometimes it's a handmade card for Mother's Day, right? Or those little plaster casts of, of hands and feet. Picture frames made out of popsicle sticks that our kids create for us. Respect is shown in simple humility and appreciation and gratitude. One of my favorite uh, columns by Irma Bombeck said this. Uh, it, it told of God in the process of creating moms. You may have heard this before. She said, on the day God created mothers, he had already worked a long overtime throughout the day. And an angel approached and said, Lord, you sure are spending a lot of time on this one. And the Lord turned and said, have you seen the specs on this model? <laughs> She's supposed to be completely washable, but not plastic. She's to have 180 moving parts, all of them irreplaceable. She's to have a kiss that will heal everything from a broken leg to a broken heart. She's to have a lap that will instantly disappear when she stands up. She's to be able to function on black coffee and leftovers, and she's supposed to have six pairs of hands. Six pairs of hands, said the angel, that's impossible. Well, it's not the six pairs of hands that, that are difficult, says the Lord. It's the three pairs of eyes. She's supposed to have one pair that sees through closed doors, so that whenever she says, what are you kids doing in there? She already knows what they're doing in there. She has to have another pair in the back of her head to see all the things that she's not supposed to see, but must see. And she has one pair in the front that can look at a child who has goofed and, and communicate love and understanding without saying a word. The angel said, that's too much, Lord. You can't put that much into one model. Why don't you just... Rest today and, and create this tomorrow. I can't, said the Lord. I'm close to creating someone who's very much like myself. I've already come up with this model that, that can heal herself when she's sick, who can feed a family of six with one pound of hamburger, one who can persuade a nine-year-old to take a shower. The angel looked at the model of motherhood a little more closely and said, but Lord, she's too soft. 
Oh, but she's tough, said the Lord. You'd be surprised at all the things this mother can do. The angel reached over and touched her cheek. Lord, this one has a leak, he said. I told you you couldn't put that much into one model. That's not a leak, said the Lord. It's a tear. What's the tear for? asked the angel. It's for joy. It's for sadness. It's for sorrow. It's for disappointment. It's for pride. And the angel said, you're a genius. See, I agree. I I like that. Mothers are made in the image of God, and God's a genius. Being a parent's not easy, and sometimes you're filled with joy. Sometimes you're filled with sadness. Sometimes your kids make you so proud, you could pop the buttons off your shirt, and sometimes you can't reach for enough handkerchiefs or, or Kleenex. And I can understand the struggle that's there. Moms, I think when God made you, he said, I'm creating someone who's very much like myself. And I think that's why today is so special. Because we recognize that a mother's love is probably one of the closest examples we can ever get to God's love. It's a love that literally goes through the valley of the shadow of death just to bring us into this world. The love of a mother is a love that sacrifices sleep and energy and time over and over again and would even lay down its life for its own child and in the hopes of the greatest gift of all that a mother can receive. 3 John 1.4, I have no greater joy than to know my children are walking in the truth. To know as children that we have a personal relationship to our Creator. I want to close this morning with this story. It comes out of World War II and the Holocaust that took the lives of so many millions. It's a story of Solomon Rosenberg and his family, and it's a a true story. Solomon Rosenberg and his wife and their two sons, and even his mother and father were arrested, and they were placed in a Nazi concentration camp together. It was a labor camp, and the rules were simple. As long as you can do your work, you can live for another day. When you became too weak to do your work, then your life was exterminated. Rosenberg watched as his mother and his father were both marched off to their deaths. And his greatest fear was that his next would be his youngest son, David, because David had always been a frail and a sickly child. Every evening, Rosenberg would come back to the barracks after hours of hard labor, and he would search for the faces of his family. When he found them, they would huddle together and and just embrace one another and thank God for another day of life. One day, Rosenberg came back, and he didn't see the familiar faces. He finally did find his oldest son, Joshua, huddled in a corner, weeping and praying. And he said, Josh, please tell me it's not true. And he turned and said, it's true, Papa. Today, David wasn't strong enough to do his work, and so they came to take him. But where's your mother, Josh? Oh, Papa, he said. When they came for David, David was so afraid, and he cried. And Mama said, there's nothing to be afraid of, David. And she took his hand, and she went with him. That's motherhood. And mothers, that's why we honor God, by honoring you today. And may God bless you in this day. 
I pray that there is someone here who has never acknowledged or recognized even not only did you have an earthly parent that may or may not have done that, but you have a God who took death for you. You took one who even in the seasons of life when we walk through the valley of a shadow, he says, I'll take your hand and I'll walk with you through it. One who reminds us there is nothing to be afraid of because I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I, I pray that you realize there is one who's already gone through that valley full strength for you and made it possible for you to live with him forever. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. And as we sing this song of decision, for some of you it's a time as believers to decide I'm going to honor Christ because I have some unfinished work today that needs to be completed. I need to spend time in prayer and thank God for the way he created my mom. Breaks, imperfections and all. And I want to thank God that he's able to not only restore her, but I want to stop and thank God that he's able to restore me. See, we're, we're just vessels of clay carrying the greatest treasure the world has ever known. And God uses those breaks to remind us he's the healer. He's the restorer. He's the master craftsman who not only restores us, but makes us, in his eyes, the viable creations he has always created and made us to be. Friends, if you need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior today, if you need to confess his name before those here, enter the waters of baptism, I want to invite you to do that in this moment. But maybe it's just to pray and ask God to open the door for a conversation, for a visit, whatever it is, let me pray for you before you do so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we sing about it, we read about it, we even study your word about it. We know we're just the pottery and, and we're the clay, you're the potter. We invite your hands to work in our lives and Father, if you don't approve of what you see, calling you our Lord, it gives you every right, every permission to start again. Make us into what you want us to be so that we can reflect your craftsmanship. And when people are astonished at why we are as we are, we can point to the mended places and say, it's because my God is more precious than gold, more precious than silver or platinum or diamonds. He saw in me something of value when I couldn't see anything worth saving. And he gave the life of his one and only son as a divine parent for me that I would have the opportunity to believe in him to claim Him as my Lord and as my Savior, to humbly bow before Him and know that I'll never perish. I'm going to have an everlasting life because of Him. Father, I thank You for the moms in heaven that rejoice today because their children are here or their children are somewhere in this world and they're worshiping You with all their heart and soul. Father, there are those in this room today who know there's a choice they need to make. 
to accept you or to give the acceptance you've given them by sharing that same acceptance with an earthly parent. So give them boldness and give them courage. But Father, find in each of us obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.